1: I guess we'll talk a little bit about the Grammys and if some of you follow me on social media, probably saying, well, you didn't watch the Grammys, right? And well, you're still going to hear my take on it, and I think it's going to be pretty accurate regardless if I watched it or not. So you will hear that. And also we'll talk with Louisiana Representative Julie Emerson, and we will also play a brief Q&A with Senator Ted Cruz from the Grassroots America event in Tyler on Saturday. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this next stupendous episode of Trend Chat. Welcome once again to another episode of Trend Chat. I'm your host Brian Bletsoe, and if you want to connect with us, whether you're on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, it's all the same name, Trend Chat twenty four seven. And as always, don't forget about the book Politics, A Clearing Call to Political Activism," which is available on Barnes and Noble and Amazon, which includes my contribution of the article about being a delegate at the. Republican National Convention back in 2016. So, not only that, you also have you know other contributors as well. Over 300 pages actually. My my contribution is you know just a few pages. It's good, few pages. But you know everybody on there is talk about number of issues, whether it's healthcare, education, general politics, etc. So, if you're interested in any sort of political activism, I suggest picking up that book. So, all right. Well, like I said in the beginning, I said I will talk about these Grammys, which is, I'm telling you, it's not going to be much. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> um, if, like I said, if you follow me on social media, you already know where I what I felt about these Grammys. And pretty much any of these award shows now and probably for the whole time President Trump is in office, it's going to be the same. And, you know, if whenever if they get a Democrat in there, then all these award shows going to be, you know, this utopia and everything's wonderful about the government all over again so so as of right now as long as Trump is in office everything is doom and gloom everything is you know just the the world is ending as I've mentioned before we die I guess every day or at least every week from something the Trump administration has done so like I said I guess we're just a bunch of zombies at this point because the the liberals are just so hyperbolic as far as when it comes to any Policy of any, regardless of whatever it is, it just—it's always this, basically Armageddon. Um, whenever, whenever Trump's even, whenever he speaks, basically at this point. So, like I said, it's not. All I will say about the Grammys it was basically, Trump is evil. Trump is racist. The world is falling apart we need to band together against i guess in their in their mind it's all about banning against trump and conservatives and republicans and whatnot so it just that's basically what it just all boils down to at basically now and i think what the grammys were like what three three hours i don't know i, I, I really don't care but to to sum it up it was basically all of what i just said And for the most part, just a bunch of people just kind of. Yeah. It was kind of like that. I mean, I'm pretty sure y'all have heard this before, but it just. Yeah. It's. Yeah. I. I mean, it, it got so bad. This crying, just like this, it, 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 this what it sounded like during these Grammys, during the Oscars, the Golden Globes, any award show. You're gonna hear for the for the next couple of years is gonna be just this droning on, basically, sounding of crying for the most part. It just wrapped around in music and poetry, but it's basically just crying. Basically, you know. And speaking of just you know crying babies. I guess at one sense, you had Hillary Clinton come come in and read them a nursery rhyme because she read that book, you know, Fire and Fury, and you know, kind of they they want to bring Hillary in, you know, that grand <laughs> grandmotherly type that she is to basically tell a nursery rhyme to these crying babies that everything's going to be okay. You know, although I, I I didn't win and I would not go away, and I'll continue to stay in the public eye as long as y'all want me and they will keep on trotting her out there as much <laughs> as much as they can because they just can't believe it still it's been over a year they still can't believe it and so like i said they just brought her out and to essentially you know read them a nursery rhyme to kind of soothe their their hurting souls i guess <laughs> but um <clears throat> that's <laughs> yeah that's about it uh, like I said, I barely, yeah, I didn't watch it at all. I saw some clips, but yeah, like like I said on social media, if I really cared about you know any of their political opinion or Jay Z's whatever he you know what he said about uh, about the president and whatnot, if I cared about their political opinion, then maybe I would talk about it. <laughs> but I don't. I I don't care about their opinion. I don't care about Jay Z's opinion. I don't care about. Uh, Colin Kaepernick's opinion. I don't care about none of the NFL Nealer's opinions or none of none of that. So I can care less. So I don't really talk about it that much. As a matter of fact, I feel like I spent too much time now. It's over what five minutes now, and I, I feel like I wasted that. Actually, so anyway, because I definitely want to get on to um the interviews with Julie Emerson and play. Like I said, this little brief. Um, Q&A with Senator Cruz. Now, today is um, Tuesday, so this is being recorded before the State of the Union, which I'm pretty sure you've already heard from the liberals who are already probably are setting up the next <laughs> the next phase of our deaths. I guess. I mean, we're going to die from something President Trump says in this State of the Union. They don't know what it is, but we already did basically what they're they're saying in these press conferences before the State of the Union, that whatever he proposes, it's going to cause instant death this time. We're going to die for real this time. All those times, yeah, that was for sure. Now, if whatever President Trump says in the the State of the Union, we will literally die this time. We will all just be, you know, I guess in their minds, because a lot of them don't believe in heaven or hell or anything like that. I guess we're just going to just disappear in the ether or whatever i don't know but like i said that's coming up tonight and i'm just that that's why i was just thinking about as far as what their predictions are going to be um personally i i don't know i think it's going to be uh typical trump in, in one sense because this is the the first official state of the union i know he had a i guess you can call it The um, uh, an address to Congress last year, but uh, this is uh, the first official State of the Union, and basically, in a lot of the whether it's a lot of these State of the Union address, you know, whether it's Trump now or Obama in the past, the president gonna put out their agenda for the year, and I'm guessing. Well, one thing I'm that is probably going to be brought up. It will be immigration. As far as trying to set his agenda for you no know, uh, immigration reform. I'm guessing that's going to be a focal point in the in the address. Um, probably <laughs> I know he's going to talk about how the tax reform is <laughs> doing for the economy. I'm pretty sure he's going to bring that up. And after that I'm pretty sure he's going to have some memorable quotes in there. (laughs) I'm kind of looking forward to it. I'm actually going to a watch party to watch it with a couple other friends. And yeah, I'm pretty sure there's going to be some quotes out of that. That's one thing. I probably it's a, it's a certainty. It's going to be going to be some quote. He's going to say that probably make some Republicans cringe, probably make me cringe maybe and (laughs) make, The Democrats probably lose their mind. They they might pass out. That that could be a possibility. I mean, I know some of them, uh, some of them uh, decided not to show up, which. okay, so whatever. Trust me, you won't be missed. (laughs) You didn't show up. Oh, well, if you got something better to do, that's fine. Um, If you don't want to show up, fine. You know, I don't. I wouldn't force you to go. So, and also, I guess who is going to be in attendance um, from the people that are not going to be there, but also, you know, the guests that the members of Congress are going to bring and whatnot. Some of those probably be focused on and maybe controversial. I know one thing about, I think Nancy Pelosi was saying about bringing some dreamers there. And then (laughs) I saw someone said it, well, if they're going to bring dreamers, then um, President Trump ought to bring ICE agents, which, you know, hey, I actually wouldn't have a problem with that. That would be I don't, I don't know. That's just me. That's how I feel about it. I I would have the rule of law basically on display right there in front of everybody. As far as, um you know, if people are here illegally that's the that's something that they will have to deal with and yeah but i'm pretty sure that none of that's going to happen but i'm pretty sure those dreamers are going to show up and who knows there might be some sort of protest that might be uh something that might come out tonight where you might have a reversal Uh, or a similar situation as far as what happened with president obama uh when um uh what's his name wilson (laughs) Ah, oh, forgot his I forgot his first name, but he uh last name Wilson and he said you lie to <laughs> to then President Obama. Might have a similar situation this time. I would not be surprised with that. So that's I guess those, those my predictions for the upcoming state of the union tonight. Now, let's get on to, with uh first with our um interview with Louisiana Representative Julie Emerson. And before, before we get to our interview, let's play a few words from our friends with The Founding Project.
2: Hello, Trend Chat listeners. If you like The Founding Project's Civics Education video series, Civics for All Ages, and our Educational Meme series, we think you will love our new website. Join us at thefoundingproject.com and be a part of the civics movement. The founding project is a 501c3 education nonprofit. Please join us today.
1: Hello, this is Trent Chat, and we are pleased to have a legislator, but not only a legislator. She is a millennial legislator as it says in their Twitter profile. She is listed on Red Alert Politics 30 on the 30 and She's also a member of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary and one of the, and well, the youngest member on the board of trustees. I am talking about Louisiana Representative Julie Emerson. How are you doing?
3: I'm doing quite well. How are you doing?
1: (laughs) Pretty good. I'm guessing you've heard, I guess, heard this question a lot in the past, uh, I guess, month or so, because you you did a video talking about millennials voting GOP. First, I want to ask you, what was the inspiration to make that video, and what's the response been?
3: Sure, well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it um honestly uh for the past couple of years, uh you know I'm just clearly I am a millennial and i'm, I'm the youngest member of the Louisiana legislature, so we talk a lot about attracting young people just to the overall government process, but then also um within the conservative movement and uh, a few months ago, I decided to run for party chairman for the Republican Party of Louisiana so it's uh, kind of part of part of that effort but I didn't really talk about running for chairman in the video because I wanted to stand alone you know I didn't want it to to only be about that I wanted it to be a message um, it could be a little bit broader so when I did it uh, it was kind of a, a result of just a couple of months of thinking about Um, I would read a a Wall Street Journal article about millennials and about how about 70 percent of millennials are saying that uh, they identify more or tend to vote more with the Democrat Party. Um, But then at the same time, in that same poll, um, it was over 50 percent of them said that they really don't identify with either. They don't particularly like party labels. So that one that one really struck with me, because when I when I talk with my friends and my peers, um, you know, they, 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 it, yeah, it depends on how they vote. I mean, it, they don't always vote Democrat. They don't always vote Republican. But for the most part, they're just tired of things that are going on. They're tired of, um, you know, the rising debt. They're tired of uh, just all the what seems to be incompetency in government, no matter which party's in charge. And, and so they, you know, it just seems like Washington these days in politics is just crazy and nobody can get along. So. Um, I hear a lot about that, um, you know, from my from my fellow millennials. But when I start talking to them about issues and about smaller government, less government, lower taxes, um, basically just, you know, government get out of my way, more you know, more liberty, more freedom, um, they always agree with that. And so, um, uh, you know, it it's just kind of been something that I've I've been thinking about and, and talking to my peers about for a while of um you know just particular issues that draw them in and frankly i just found that um, you know the the main tenets of the republican party of um, you know just economic freedom and, and less regulation and uh, different things like that um are really things that millennials do care about um but i think you know the the messaging sometimes is bad and maybe we don't always stand on our principles so frankly that that um that particular video was was really more about um speaking to the gop itself um because like i said i am running for party chairman and and i was trying to implore uh, my fellow state central committee members and and members of the of the gop around the country that hey you know we got to get better at this or if we're going to keep losing millennials we've got to get better about our message um and uh, and we can draw them in so you know the, the reaction has been um it's it's certainly been a mixed bag i mean a lot of people love it think it's awesome um of course you know there's plenty of uh plenty of people out there who don't agree with me politically um who have commented some interesting things but you know that's expected anytime you take a stand or or put a bold message out there that's going to happen so um you know i've i've appreciated it and uh and and, and certainly um feel like the message is is strong and have gotten a lot of great questions out of it and a lot of great interviews out of it, like this one.
1: <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I guess the one thing I was thinking of, is, it, is it more just of the messaging? I mean, is it something more than that? It's kind of keeping millennials from even considering GOP. Yeah,
3: sure. No, I mean, I think it's it's certainly a um, a lot of wholesale issues. I mean, look, I was I was talking to some of my fellow uh committee members in the Louisiana Republican Party uh, not too long ago and and you know y- I have to have to really straddle that line of I don't want to offend anyone who's been there before and i and I'm certainly thankful to um you know all the leaders that we've had in our party and and appreciate the work that they've done and in fact our, our current chairman has been there for about fourteen years, and he's stepping down so um but you know I was talking to him, and I said, look The very first meeting that I ever went to, uh, it was a local Republican meeting. Um, I was probably about 18, 19 years old. And I went in there and, um, so you know, everyone was at least three or four times my age.
2: Mm.
3: And and for a lot of people, that kind of scares them, you know. Um, But I, I went in there. I talked with them um I asked questions I listened I tried to learn obviously I didn't always agree with with everything that they said but um you know I, I could bring some ideas to the table and a lot of those same people you know really helped me along the way and and you know were uh, interested in in um in, in in my foray into politics and um you know but but a lot of people that I talked to a lot of young people that I talk to they'll have the same story but they'll say you know I, I went into this meeting and I saw all these people, and I didn't really identify with them. And so, um, you know, I left. I didn't. I didn't stay. And I'm like, look, sometimes. So, so it's you know, it's a twofold thing. I, I want the GOP to get the message that we have to be encouraging um, and open-minded to young people, but also to young people, you know, don't don't necessarily always judge a book by its cover. Like, take the next step and engage in the dialogue. Um and that's that's really what I find is is the biggest thing a lot of times there's a lot of um you know lack of communication uh with generations because like um certainly you know my and my my, my parents are baby boomers and and certainly you know within my own parents generation we, you know we're we're all republican we're all conservative, but there's a lot of issues that we talk about that you know like oh mom dad you gotta think about it this way, you know or you have to you have to have a fresh perspective on it. So I think dialogue is really important um, for uh, for for you know cost generation, Um, and if you have if you have a lot of the same ideals, um, you know you have to remember that we can rally around those particular ideals together, Um, and it doesn't it doesn't have to be so divided. So I really think um, you know that the 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 GOP. I mean, obviously, like I talked about messaging, but I think engagement as well. I think sometimes. it's really easy to just sit back and say, oh, well, you know, millennials are, are liberal, so it's it's not important to engage with them. Or millennials will say, well, you know, some of these older people, they don't really understand me, so I don't want to engage with them at all. And so, you know, we miss a lot there. Um, so I, I really think that, you know, yes, messaging, engage, but also engagement is, is very strategically important.
1: I guess a lot of people tend to already have their preconceived notions on both sides when, when they come across, you know, whether, you know, it's a, you know, uh, the older person coming across a millennial or vice versa. So it's kind of like, like you mentioned, as far as just kind of to have that dialogue. And I think mm-hmm. that, you know, that will get us get us far in a lot of different spheres in one way and, and i'm i'm thinking about that um uh, like the turmoil that is going on in dc uh right now you know mm-hmm. with the, like government shutdowns. and one thing i want to ask you is um like is it similar like that in the louisiana house <laughs> <laughs>
3: um you know it's, it's interesting uh, a lot of people who have been there for a long time the some of the, the legislators who have been around for a while will tell you that used to it was a it was like a gentleman's agreement type thing that you know every everyone was very cordial to each other and and they'll tell you that it's only gotten worse and it's very political and all this kind of stuff and in some ways it is um but you know Brian I always find that um, my colleagues no matter no matter where they are on the on the spectrum or you know across the aisle or whatever um, I always try to be cordial to them. We may not agree. And, you know, frankly, 95% of the time, I don't agree with my own governor. Um, he and I have very different views on things, but, but I like him. I mean, he's a nice guy. Um, and and when there are things that we agree on, I'm very willing to help him. Um, so, you know, I think that, um, I, I think it's, it's it's a mixed bag of things. I mean, it's not, I don't, I don't deem it to be quite as bad as Washington. Um, I think a lot of times in DC, you know, you have uh, 435 members of, of the house and a hundred senators and it's very difficult, um, you know, to kind of get to know everybody. And of course you're in your own respective offices and you're not all on the floor at the same time. So uh, sometimes you lose a little bit of that camaraderie and, and you know, ability to work together. Um, you know, in the Louisiana house, we don't have offices, we only have desks on the floor of the house, so we all have to sit there and and look at each other all the time, so you might as well learn learn to get along, (laughs) Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, last session, we had a, uh, we had a lot of issues going down, and we ended up uh, ending session without a budget, and had to come back in for a special session to finish the budget negotiation, so it can certainly get tense. You know, we have a billion-dollar shortfall uh, coming up this year for the budget. So we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, you know, sometimes you hear from a lot of people talking about, well, it's, um, it's worse than it's ever been and, and stuff like that. And whenever I hear that, like, you do remember back in the day they had duels to the death <laughs>
0: um, yeah. for
1: some stuff. <laughs> and, um, I mean, I I don't think it's gotten that bad. And if you look at other countries, and you know they're having full out brawls right in the in the parliament here, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. like, yeah. So I I don't see it being as bad as people want to make it seem. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you know,
3: I remember like I think it was like a year or so ago there was a uh, there was a video of like the the Ukrainian Parliament somebody like throwing out a smoke bomb in the middle of the Parliament. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's you know it can get it's it's not it's not quite that crazy yet you
1: know. Yeah, well um, I'm pretty sure in other interviews and people have have asked you know what's it like to be the you know youngest member in the Louisiana House of Representatives, and you know I I want to ask that too, but the one the one thing I want to ask is what is it like being the youngest member of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. <laughs>
3: That's funny. Oh well, you know, I was I was actually on the the seminary board uh, way before I was in the legislature. So I got appointed to the seminary board when I was like 24 years old. Um, so that was that was very interesting. Um, but it's it's great. I, I've, I've truly I've made a lot of friends there. Um, and it's it's certainly not only am I the youngest female, but there are 40 member. I mean, sorry, the youngest member, but there are 40 members. And I think we have like five or six females, so um, you know it's it's a it's it's interesting dynamic, but, but frankly, um, it's it's awesome. You know, it's uh, I've I've learned a lot from a lot of those guys. You have certainly a lot of uh, retired pastors who are on the board, um, and they just you know they have so much wisdom. Um, and I've and I've always been a person that you know we we have a we have a culture now where people kind of get mad about being the the only female somewhere or the youngest person somewhere. And, you know, I just, I see it as, as an honor and a privilege. And, um, and I just try to, you know, every now and then, and and, in all scenarios, when you're a young person, um, you may get a little bit of of backlash of, you know, certain people not listening to you and that kind of thing. But, But frankly, for the most part, I think that kind of points out their own insecurity sometimes. So most of the people that I've had the privilege of working with on both the seminary board and the legislature um, I've always found to be just, you know, amazing mentors um, and and certainly willing to listen to to anything I have to say. So um, overall it's been a a very positive experience for me, but I enjoy it. You know, we've got uh, Dr. Moeller up there. He's he's the president of the the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary and uh, just the an amazing encyclopedia of information. So certainly learned a lot from a lot of those guys.
1: Yeah, I'm a big fan of Albert moeller I definitely has been listening to like, like the the briefing and and um yeah. yes, I'm definitely a big fan of his. You know, I was just thinking about why he was answering answering that. Uh, has anyone called you a young whippersnapper yet? <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, I you know I get that a few times. I've, I've certainly gotten that uh, in the legislature. Mostly kind of joking, um, you know. Being the youngest person in the legislature, I, I certainly, you know, get that question a lot. But I'm going to tell you, you know, I've had a few instances of, you know, of issues of, you know, being frustrated about people, you know, treating me differently because I'm so young. But to be honest with you, I think especially when um, when you are a member, um, and, and I, you know, I can't really speak for for staffers and, and just the different ways that, that they're treated. I mean I certainly treat all the staffers very kindly, but I think, you know, a lot of times when you're an actual member, um, you, you have a vote just like everybody else. Um and, and people they have you know, they've gotta treat you with respect because they've they sometimes they're trying to win your vote um on a bill, you know? Um mm-hmm. but I, you know I was I was very careful my first uh year or two in the legislature um just to make sure that I was um that I was respectful, that, that, I mean, I, and I want to say quiet, but quiet's not the right word. Cause it wasn't like I just sat there and didn't say anything, but I tried to make sure that I didn't talk too much, you know, that yeah. I learned. And when I had something to say, I made it count, you know, and I didn't waste time and, and just, you know, talk to hear myself talk basically. Um, but, uh, cause I think that's really important. You know, I, I think it's, you know, you try to come I think a lot of people try to come in there on day one and they have all these ideas and they want to change the world, which is awesome. But the legislative process is, is difficult, you know, and, and you can you can certainly make a difference. Um but it's it's tough sometimes when you come in there and, you know, you file seventy five bills your first session and you don't really know your colleagues very well and you don't know how to, you know, uh try to win them over on particular issues and so you know sometimes you you burn a lot of bridges from the start so I just found that if you come in kind of you know get your sea legs under you and and uh, learn how the process works and find a couple of good mentors who you know for me I've tried to find some that were very conservative that had been there a few years that could kind of help me navigate how to be a true conservative in the process and also you know try to get some things done. So I had a lot of people that really, you know, took me under their wing and helped me out my first couple of years. And, you know, now I'm I'm, I'm able to to get some stuff done and 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 really try to make a difference.
1: Okay. I guess one thing I, I, that I saw on your Twitter profile that I wanted to ask, so I saw that you have Philippians 3, 7 through 11 on there. Like that's just like your favorite verse or is anything particular reasonable?
3: It's just, you know, it's just a good reminder to um, – that you know just try to walk with Christ and um and also just uh yeah I, I don't know I always always just heed the words of Paul I think he's amazing he he went through um so many different things and uh any I love the whole book of Philippians, frankly um but um I think just to you know try to remember that this is uh these worldly things are uh you know it's it's certainly worth fighting for but just kind of always have that um, that focus on Christ and to remember why you do the things that you do.
1: Okay. Oh, well, one thing I want to ask is I know I saw in your bio about being an adventurer. And so you <laughs> have, you have any, you have any, um, any plans as far as anywhere, going anywhere else overseas and something like that?
3: Yeah. You know, I I, I love to travel. Um, I've, I've been uh, very blessed in my life Uh a bunch of different circumstances. Um, you know, when I was in high school, my my school did uh, mission trips, and so I, I went on several mission trips throughout high school. Um, in college, I um, my my dad's youngest sister is she's single, no children, and uh, she and I are kindred spirits, and so she she likes to travel a lot. So every now and then, you know, she'd call me and be like, "Hey, I'm." I'm really itching to travel somewhere. So, uh you want to go and you know, we just hop on a plane, especially when I was in college and during the summers, you had time to do that, you know. Um but but I love it. I've I've been to been basically all over the world, I've been to every continent except Antarctica. And I'm trying to get to Antarctica, but it's kind of hard So.
1: Yeah, yeah, that that, that does not sound like the, you know, a trip you can just book on some on like American just to just a visit. Yeah,
3: they yeah, American Delta, they don't they don't fly down there, so you got you got to find some other way to do it. But um, but you know, any of my friends will always tell you that you know any uh of course it's it's a little more difficult with the schedule with with session and and uh, different things now. But for the most part, if you want to go on a road trip or a quick weekend trip, we always try to look for good travel deals. You know, um, and you can like if you. If you know how to maneuver around and look for good flights and stuff, people are always like, oh, man, doesn't it cost you a lot of money? I'm like, honestly, not really, because I don't plan to go a particular place. I just say, hey, I have this free weekend, and I want to go somewhere, and then you start looking for the cheapest place to go, you know? (laughs) That's how it
1: works. (laughs) Well, 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 before we – before we end, I want to make sure that you let everyone know where they can reach you on social media or just anywhere on the internet.
3: Yeah, definitely. Um, my my Twitter handle is just Julie Emerson, J U L I E E M E R S O N. Facebook is uh, Facebook dot com slash Julie Emerson LA, like Louisiana. Um, website is JulieEmerson.org. dot org.
1: All right, Representative Emerson, it's been a pleasure, and we hope to talk with you again soon.
3: Yes, sir. Thank you so much.
1: You have a great day. Yeah, And thanks to Representative Emerson for joining us. Now, I I just want to say right quick, um, you know, sometimes when you hear these interviews, you hear a couple of beeps in the in the middle of it. Look, people are not cursing. It's on there. It's because your host here has not figured out how to get how to stop people from calling. Uh, while I'm you know, Doing an interview When I'm recording it So um, Sometimes that happens I'm just letting y'all know um, Sometimes You know You're gonna hear that Every now and then Until I figure that out um, Also We're gonna um, Before I play uh, Our Q&A with uh, Senator Cruz i want to let you know There's Some of What he um, Some of the questions That he answered um, Some of it didn't get You know Recorded It wasn't because I Didn't want to record it all It just I Was um I wasn't able to record it. Um, everything, it just that was on me. So I'm just letting you know. Um, if you want to hear everything, um, it's on the. Well, there's one question about immigration after my question that was asked, but you're not going to hear it because I didn't get the whole answer. But um, the Tylerpaper.com, I think they have um have that um uh, exchange as far as that question. Just want to mention that. So before we um get there. Uh, Play one more word from our friends with the Founding Project.
2: Hello to fans of Trend Chat and Brian Bledsoe. The Founding Project, an education nonprofit dedicated to civics, invites you to visit our brand new website. Visit us at thefoundingproject.com. Be a part of the civics movement with the Founding Project. The Founding Project is a 501c3 education nonprofit. Please join us today.
4: It is great to be back in East Texas for a rally to energize the grassroots. I'm also back here supporting Jason Wright, who is my longtime friend. He's running for Congress. He's going to make a strong, principled, conservative congressman that the men and women of Texas can trust to be a true conservative, to be a fighter, to put the interests of the hard-working men and women of Texas ahead of all the party bosses, all of the swamp that is Washington. Jason will stand up and be a strong, principled conservative, and so I'm proud to be here supporting him and encouraging Texans to vote for Jason Wright for U.S. Congress.
1: I'm um, Brian Busser with Trent I just wanted to know... Uh, how optimistic are you with getting anything with immigration as, you know as far as this limited time?
4: Well when it comes to immigration I think our priority needs to be securing the borders. We have for far too long had a border that isn't secured and in an era where we've got radical Islamic terrorism we've got ms-13 and drug cartels trafficking across the border bringing opioids into the country trafficking little boys, little girls, and human trafficking. It is long past time to finally secure the border. Now, what does that mean? That means a wall. Yes, and I've long supported a wall. We need to build the wall now. But it also means more technology. It means more fixed-wing and rotary-wing aircraft. It it, it means boots on the ground. It means utilizing the tools we have to fix the problem. And critically, it means passing common-sense legislation like Kate's Law. I am the author of Kate's Law, introduced it in the United States Senate. Kate's Law provides that aggravated felons who repeatedly and illegally enter this country would face a mandatory minimum prison sentence. You know, many of us were horrified when just weeks ago the man who shot Kate Steinle was not convicted. Kate Steinle, a beautiful young woman, Died in her father's arms as she cried out, Help me, Daddy. The man who shot her had been in and out of prison over and over and over again as a repeat felon. He had been deported over and over and over again, and yet he kept coming out through the revolving door. Kate's law is common sense, it's bipartisan. And we should pass it law. If Kate's law had been on the books, Kate Steinley would still be alive. That father, that family would not have had to grieve the loss of their daughter. We need to pass Kate's law. We need to secure the border now. Senator, we're at a grassroots event, you know. Um, since, by the way, I'm Andrew Rice from New York Magazine. Um, since the Senate election, Doug Jones's uh, election
3: in Alabama, Democrats are thinking that they have a lot of momentum at the grassroots, even in red states. And I wonder what you think about that. Do you think? Do you feel think that there's a there's
4: something happening uh, that you that you feel at the grassroots? There's no doubt. There's an enormous amount of volatility in politics right now, and we see the country polarized, uh, tragically polarized. The United States Senate right now, the partisan divide is greater than I've ever seen, and the reason is Washington Democrats are united in absolute opposition to everything being done in Washington. They're being driven by the grassroots. They're being driven by their far-left base, who are enraged, who hate the president, and who are demanding of Senate Democrats oppose, obstruct, filibuster, resist. You know, just a month ago, we passed historic tax cuts. Tax cuts that we are, we've seen are benefiting millions of Americans right now, giving them uh, bonuses and wage increases and investment, generate generating economic growth. Historically, tax cuts have been a bipartisan affair. If you look back when Ronald Reagan was president in 81 and 86, those those massive tax cuts were passed with Tip O'Neill, a Democrat, as Speaker of the House. The 81 Reagan tax cut, the person who who carried it in the House of Representatives, was then a conservative Democrat by the name of Phil Graham. In the Senate in 1986, one of the lead champions for Reagan's tax cuts was then a liberal Democrat from New Jersey named Bill Bradley. That has long been, although Republicans and Democrats disagree on some issues, tax cuts have been an issue we could work together. In December, when we passed historic tax cuts, Not a single Democrat in the United States House voted to cut your taxes. Not a single Democrat in the Senate voted to cut your taxes. Every single one of them. That is, unfortunately, the manifestation of their far-left base that is so angry that they will not allow Washington Democrats ever, ever, ever to work with the other side. I think that's a mistake. You know, I was watching a Sunday show recently where Bernie Sanders was on TV, and Bernie was asked... This tax bill cuts taxes for millions of middle-class families. Isn't that a good thing? And Bernie responded, absolutely it's a good thing. But it should have been permanent. It's wrong that it wasn't Mm permanent. Now, I watched that. I immediately took what Bernie said, tweeted it out, and said, Bernie, I agree. I agree. Let's make it permanent today. I've drafted legislation to do that. Join me. I guarantee you the two of us together, if we stand together, we can make the middle class tax cuts permanent right here, right now. It's been several weeks since I tweeted that out, since I filed that legislation. And you will note on that legislation that following introduced by Mr. Cruz, you don't find on the legislation and Mr. Sanders. We've heard nothing but crickets chirping. I think the reason is simple. Their base. We saw a shutdown last weekend. The Schumer shutdown. That's a manifestation of their base's extreme anger. Now, what does that mean for the country? What does that mean for 2018? I've said many times, the left is going to show up. They're angry and they're going to show up. 2018 is a turnout election. I think we have the potential to pick up three, four, five, six Senate seats. If we can turn out conservatives, if we can turn out Reagan Democrats, working class steel workers and truck drivers and plumbers and mechanics and cops and firefighters, men and women with calluses on their hand, if we can turn out the working men and women of this country, we can have a terrific election year. On the other hand, if the grassroots stay home, if the working men and women of this country stay home, 2018 could be a terrible election year. So it all comes down to turnout.
1: Uh, Jason, um, Uh, what does it mean to have a senator's endorsement?
4: It means everything because this is someone that I supported from the very first day that I learned he was running for the United States Senate. And I've had the absolute pleasure of not only getting to support him as a volunteer and as a grassroots activist, but then also be on his staff for five years, working his hard work, watching him take on Washington, D.C. in ways that not any other politician in my lifetime since Ronald Reagan has. So it's one of the greatest honors of my life. And the way I look at it is his endorsement is more like a job reference. I've been with him. I've watched him. I've done what I've always told people is play a very small supporting role in his very big work. And so it's one of the greatest honors of my life, to say the least. All right. Thank you very much, you guys.
1: Yep. And there it is. So also the last voice, other than Senator Cruz saying, "Um, you know, thank you was on jason wright who was also running for u.s congress out in um i think it's district five in texas so appreciate everyone listening and um actually we have a number of guests coming up we already have them already recorded so appreciate everyone listening in and until next week we'll chat with you later
0: guys as we get older Eight three three six eight seven zero seven zero zero.